this I think is a perfect time for uh, now that we're kind of all stuck at home. It's the perfect time for tooling up. I feel um, for you know it's called sharpening the saw. You're about to enter the Ak Young Podcast. Young Podcast, India's first and very own architecture podcast, where you'll hear the insights, experiences, and journeys from India's leading architects. No matter what your skill level is, together we'll build on our knowledge and share architecture's greatest stories ever told. Now, here's your host, Manish Paul Simon. Hey guys, welcome back to yet another episode of the Akyan Podcast. Today we have with us Takbir Fatima, who was one of the first guests on our show. So it's an absolute treat to have her back on the show. If you haven't heard the first episode with Takbir, head to akyan.com/slash zero five. She shares her journey in architecture, doing the DRL program at the Architectural Association London, how she founded Design Aware, which is right now an amazing firm doing so many awesome initiatives. And more. So head to arkyan.com/slash zero five for the first episode with Takbir. Now in this episode, we're going to be discussing about the COVID pandemic and how that's affected us architects. How Takbir started various awesome initiatives like Studio to Site, Fractals Workshop, Build Aware, Design Aware House, and the importance of not just being a regular architecture firm, but also being innovative and being more Of an entrepreneurial architectural firm, you'll get to listen to what exactly those initiatives are, and how you too can start something innovative. We talk more about the positive impacts of working from home, how you can make the best use of this time, and upskill yourselves by using the various resources online. And we're also going to be talking about the various programs or tools that you could use as a firm owner. To better manage your firm virtually and also run things smoothly, and towards the end, we talk about this recent ruling by the Supreme Court of India, stating that unregistered individuals are not prohibited from the practice of architecture, provided that they don't designate themselves as architects. This is definitely a ridiculous ruling, demeaning ourselves as architects. And we're going to be talking about how it's going to impact us as registered architects. So there's a lot of useful information in this episode, which Takbir shares, and is very relevant to what's happening right now. So please do share it with everyone related to our field. There's also an awesome initiative started by Design Aware called the Road Less Travel Series. I'm going to be part of this series, and I will be giving a masterclass on how you can get into podcasting. Today is the last date to register for the event. It's an online event, and it will be conducted over Zoom. It starts on the sixth and goes on till the fourteenth. There's going to be nine speakers, including myself, and we're going to be talking about the various parts that we've undertaken, which is not just being a traditional architect. So I would definitely recommend you guys to check it out and do support the initiative since all the funds that are collected will be contributed towards helping the backbone of our industry, who are the migrant laborers, and they've been impacted the most by this national lockdown and the COVID pandemic. So if you want to register, head to arkyan.com/designaware or head to our show notes and you'll find the registration link. Please do check it out and please do support this awesome initiative. With that said, this is the role of an architect. 
with Takbir Fatima. Let's go. Hey guys, welcome back to the Akyan podcast. Uh, today we have with us a very special guest who was one of the first guests on the podcast. So it's an absolute pleasure to have her on our show again. Hi, uh, Takbir. Welcome back. Hi, Manish. Thanks for having me on the show again. It's a pleasure. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for coming on and taking your time. Um, yeah, these are like interesting times we live in. Um, no one expected that uh, something like this would happen. And uh, we're suddenly in, in the midst of a pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. How have you ab- adapted to this uh, time? And like, how has it affected you as a practicing architect and a firm owner? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think this is the first time in at least in our lifetimes that uh, something so big is impacting the entire world. The whole world is going through the same thing at once, yeah, absolutely. which is very, very rare. So I think uh, the, you know, everybody is kind of panicking or it's kind of negative. But um, as we began to realize that even though it came uh, quite late to India, we began to realize that uh, the situation is getting more serious and it's going to get more serious. We uh, started working from home. So um, it's been about 10 days or more that we've been working from home. Um, But uh, I think as a, as a firm or as an architect, I think thankfully the lockdown hasn't really affected us that much as much as, you know, other sectors or other individuals, because uh, one thing is that we transitioned uh, into it early on, Mm -hmm. but we, actually already had systems in place that allow us to work remotely because we've been working uh, remotely on and off for a very long time now. Mm -hmm. So since the very beginning, um, our, you know, we started as a virtual studio of sorts. Um, And also I travel a lot for work and and to teach workshops. So uh, part of the year I'm, uh, I might be working remotely from different, you know, different locations. So we regularly uh, use Skype to mm-hmm. communicate mm-hmm. and when we're not in the same place, but even when we are in the same, you know, uh, same physical space in the studio, uh, we uh, definitely, we use the cloud, we use, uh, you know, for file transfers. And uh, there's also one tool that we use that's heavily used in our studio, which is uh, Asana. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a kind of platform where you can, you know, it's a project management or task management software. Right. And it allows you to, um, it allows me to assign tasks to different people in the team. It allows them to see what's happening on that task or on that project. Right. Uh, it's really, it's a nice visual kind of arrangement where you can <clears throat> kind of um, have different stages outlined. Uh, you can have a Gantt chart, which shows, you know, progress of work. Um, and you can share files, you can track progress and you can chat or uh, make comments on the work that's going on. So we use that. We've been using it for years. Uh, we've tried many different alternatives and Asana is the one that we like the best. It has a nice interface. Right. And uh, what's a Gantt chart? Uh, a Gantt chart is something uh, that actually allows you to track your, pro- it's a project management tool, right, right. which allows you to track progress. So on one side, maybe I can send, I can share a link to it, uh, which, you know, uh, listeners can kind of uh, get an idea of what that is so on the left side you have a list of tasks and on the right side you have the timeline Mm -hmm. so you can actually plot visually you know graphically you can plot 
mm-hmm. how the timeline is going. So we use that for project management nice. of many of our projects. So I think this is a tool, even though we are in the studio, we use the same tool. So it hasn't really um, affected us as such, you know. Um, so a lot of my time goes in organizing work and working on the firm. So that kind of um, is now being transferred to mm-hmm. doing it from home. So, right. yeah. So I think uh, this kind of, there are, as as a director of the firm or even for solo practitioners or even for students, I think this works. If you have different seasons in which you do, uh, which have different themes. Right. So you do different types of work at different, maybe different points of the year. When there's a lull, uh, you can try you know, doing something else. So this, I think, is a perfect time for uh, now that we're kind of all stuck at home. It's the perfect time for tooling up, I feel, um, for, you know, it's called sharpening the saw, where this should actually be there in your routine or in your uh, part of your year throughout the year. But now I think is a particularly good time where you can, you know, learn some things or do certain projects which you uh, had been putting on hold or which you didn't have the time to do earlier. So it's a time to maybe read and learn and, and um, improve your skill set. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of firms complain that uh, their employees are not skilled enough and uh, they don't are not efficient enough. But I think if they use the right resources like LinkedIn Learning or Udemy, I'm sure they could like definitely upskill themselves. Yeah, there are so many options uh, nowadays. You don't have to go to, you know, uh, a center and an, 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 or an institute and learn from there. You can learn remotely online. You can learn uh, individually through pre-recorded sessions. I think uh, there we have so many options on hand these days. So it's the ideal time to sharpen the saw right now. And uh, apart from that, I think there should be different times or different kind of uh, you're almost like you're zoning out your time. So you can sometimes work on design, sometimes you're working on learning or sometimes competitions or writing or something. And uh, in my case, that's that's what I do when I get time. And and then there should be long term goals and short term goals, which are overlapped in different ways. Mm-hmm. So it's important to diversify your time. And um, Marie Forleo calls it a, being a multi-passionate entrepreneur. So I'm actually reading her book right now, which is uh, Everything is Figure Outable, which is you know, a really nice uh, book to, I think, just just like a manual of how to run your business or even your life. So you follow a lot of uh, life coaches, is it? I think uh, business coach is what you could call her. Okay, um, okay. It's more of a Marie Forleo and uh, I think Michael Hyatt. Those are my two favorite ones that I, it's uh, Gary Vaynerchuk as well. Oh, awesome. If you need an nice. asshole. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, even I follow him as well. Uh, yeah, I think like the idea of having different seasons, different themes is brilliant. And uh, I'm sure like if a lot of architects think, I mean, they do think out of the box, but they think they should think even beyond that and like uh, be more entrepreneurial just like you. So thanks uh, for sharing all those great tips. Um, yeah, so uh, moving on, like I've been following a lot of your work online and especially the various ventures that you've uh, started, like studio to site, fractals workshop, you have something called Designer Warehouse. Um, how do you come up? And it's very important to not just stay as a traditional practice, but, but to go beyond. But how do you come up with uh, such great initiatives and um, always being more entrepreneurial than just an architect? Mm-hmm. I, I definitely, I think 
just being, it's not just an architect. I think architects actually, architecture encompasses all of these things under it, right? Yeah, it's absolutely. such a vast field. So what we've been taught um, and wrongly is that there is this, this thing I call the single solution syndrome where um, only one single path is correct and every other thing is a deviation from that. But I think it's more about many different paths and many different options being uh, equally you know, relevant mm-hmm. at once. So I think uh, right from the beginning as students, we should be um, given different options that, but yeah, you can, you can go uh, in this direction where you're an architect who designs buildings or you can design something else or you can, um, you know, maybe get into a related field. So it's not necessary or you could be an entrepreneur. And, and I, I see what's really heartening nowadays is I see a lot of students um, who, you know, I've, I've seen students who have approached me and they're, they say that they're already entrepreneurs while they're uh, studying. So that's really positive. That was not mm-hmm. the case before. And I think everybody needs to do that. So yeah. um, from the very beginning, when we, you know, started our firm, uh, we've always believed in open source sharing of our work. So mm-hmm. we share all our designs, uh, design process, in fact, uh, on our website, on our social media. And we have a lot of interactive sessions on social media as well with live videos. Nice. And when there's some work going on in the studio, we have live videos and Kind of uh, even during workshops, uh, every workshop that I teach there, there are live videos of work that's going on. So a lot of people, uh, in fact, many people around the world that we've uh, we happen to meet, they're already familiar with our studio and our projects without ever having visited us or being in touch with us, which it used to surprise us before. Now it's become kind of the norm. So we also like to collaborate with different professionals and we like to work across different disciplines. So the workshop, the Fractals workshop actually began as a generative design workshop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now it's kind of uh, become an umbrella under which we have different educational initiatives. Nice. So the next uh, series in the design workshop series is uh, in collaboration with One is to X. And we'll have workshops in different cities, which are organized by them in, okay. in India. Okay. And But the workshop has also been to many different cities in the Middle East. We, in fact... We were recently collaborating and we were in talks with an organization in, in China, but, which is now unfortunately put on hold. Mm-hmm. So under this uh, Fractals Workshop banner, we have many different in- educational initiatives now. Mm-hmm. And Studio to Site is kind of one part of that that we recently started. So just to give you a little background, yeah, sure. <clears throat> I think this is something we can all relate to um, when we were students. So when I was a student and just... Uh, after graduating for uh, maybe a couple of years after graduating when I was working in different firms, Mm -hmm. I felt a major disconnect between the studio and the site. So where we lack site exposure immediately, you know, some people are probably fortunate enough that they get to go on site immediately, but a lot of us uh, Mm. lack the site experience and exposure. And it might uh, even take years for, uh, a solo practitioner, a young architect to see their designs uh, being built. Yeah. So I really think that schools need to incorporate site visits as a regular thing in the curriculum where students go on site or they're taken on site and they co- get comfortable with the site atmosphere. They learn about the construction process. They meet and interact with engineers, uh, as well as, of course, site supervisors and, and uh, construction workers on site. Hmm. And they should get to know what is the role of an architect 
on site. So mm-hmm. it's not just in the studio. An architect has a significant role on site as well. Yeah. So um, and then they will also see challenges that are happening on site uh, at that moment and how people are dealing with them. So this is a crucial part of being an architect, and I feel it's very much neglected, whether it's in schools or you know in early practice. So what we when when I actually realized the significance of this was the very first project in which we were deeply involved with the construction process. Mm-hmm. That was the Hilltop School in Golconda, which is a very challenging project that, you know, uh, in terms of design as well as construction, but because it was on a cliff with all this uh, sheet, sheet rock and a very difficult terrain. So, and also the budget was very tight. So yeah, that, yeah. that project really gave us insight into, uh, you know, site experience. And I uh, was very much involved on site throughout the project. It still am because the, it's a charity school, so it's still uh, being, you know, expanded as they raise funds. So in that, we were playing very different roles uh, of architect, designer, fundraiser, engineer, uh, you know, constru- uh, construction management. Mm. So that's when I realized the importance of getting my hands dirty. So you like I had to get on site and learn by doing. Mm-hmm. without really having that much of knowledge and experience from before. And uh, and because uh, there were a lot of issues on site, we had to do damage controls, we had to fix mistakes and errors and give solutions. So a lot of design decisions were made directly on site and it became like a design construction feedback loop. Mm-hmm. But that's when um, I, you know, I realized that it's very important. It's uh, the experience of the site. Uh, on the other hand, we now we also have many clients who approach us for complete design and build solutions. Oh, nice. So like, what we're like doing now projects. is, yes. So okay. what we're doing is we're taking up design as well as project management of the construction process. And I think project management is something that is very much, you know, it's not given its due. Yeah. yeah. Because it's quite an important aspect of the construction process, where you need somebody who is very um you know in a very kind of structured and organized manner is managing the entire process yeah that uh is something that we've now gotten in, into in the construction process so we call this initiative uh build aware mm-hmm. and and so we have taken up uh we take up selected projects for design and build so nice. there are now that we have quite a few live sites which are at different stages of stages of construction mm-hmm. um I decided that, okay, let's open up these sites to the students, uh, students of architecture, design, engineering, or or anyone who's in a related field, as well as young professionals who would like to gain exposure of the construction process. Um, we are now opening up our, site, our sites and uh, sharing this knowledge, which, which, which uh, I mean, I wish we had when we were. Yeah, students. absolutely. Yeah. So that's what the site. Yeah. So that's what Studio to Site is all about. So, um, you know. We would like to introduce different aspects of learning uh, to other students, give them the opportunity to learn on site. And uh, so the project, the program itself is quite a long term program. So you have to be kind of dedicated. It's a 12 month long program. And and, uh, at the same time, it's not very intensive. So it's flexible enough to accommodate working professionals or students. We will be working around their schedule. Mm -hmm. Uh, The site work obviously is going on as it is. And then we come in every two weeks, weeks, we take them to the site and then we will uh, show them around and, and show them or teach, teach them what's happening on site at that given point of time. 
So they learn at different sites, they'll be learning different stages of the construction process. Um, currently, this one is uh, kind of put on hold because of the yeah. current uh, situa- situation. You know. uh, but yeah, we'll probably be, we've done certain sessions online, which are design pres- and presentations just to understand the design process behind because it's studio to site. So the studio part, we're doing it remotely now. And then nice. the side part, hopefully you will begin in the, in the next month or so. Awesome. Yeah. I wish like more architecture firms, uh, take up this initiative of uh, bringing students to the site and also uh, getting hands, getting the hands dirty because, uh, it's, you learn by uh, doing right. So I think it's a great initiative and I hope more people, uh, adopt it in a way. Yeah, I think um, it's very easy, right? I mean, it's so easy for architects to do that. They can just uh, and, uh, allow students to come and learn. Um, I think that's, it's a very, already there's uh, sites which are, are on which construction is going in progress. So you might as well allow somebody to learn from that. And I think a lot of... Um, architects now the traditional model is just going it's on its on its way out so, so every architect has approach or a different understanding of what it means to be an architect and you know everybody is now i think everyone is working from home so we we've, we've uh, another initiative that we've come up with is that uh, we're doing a lot of um, uh, remote learning programs right uh, one uh, uh, in particular because i'm talking about the out of the box uh, kind of way of practicing architecture, the mm-hmm. non-traditional way. Yeah. So uh, we've uh, uh, reached out to many different architects who are, you know, um, they're qualified architects, but they're practicing in different, in different fields. Right. So many architects all over the world who uh, would like to share their journey and kind of share how they started in architecture, but they went into, they took many different career paths. Um, we have uh, graphic designers. We have a, uh, furniture uh, designer we have um also somebody who's gone into real estate uh mm, some yes. into teaching and some into journalism as well so these are um and also we have somebody who is uh who works towards certifying green building so these are the different professionals that we've uh, approached and in the coming weeks uh every week or so we'll have a different lecture kind of like a lecture series or a master class by these uh different architects and hopefully that'll open up, uh, you know, students or young professionals' minds as to what are the career opportunity, uh, opportunities that they have in front of them, uh, rather than the same, you know, uh, one-track kind of traditional yeah. path that they're expected to follow. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it goes to show that uh, architects these days don't stick to one path, but rather try out things and uh, pick and choose which one works best for them, right? Yeah, in fact, uh, this podcast is an example of that. So I think yeah. you should also join us for <laughs> yeah, that. So sure. like, uh, we would like to learn how you, uh, you know, started the podcast as well. Yeah, absolutely. That I haven't shared that yet. Yeah, but uh, it would be an interesting <laughs> story. Yeah. All right. Um, like you said before, right? Uh, I mean, you were part of this virtual world way before this pandemic happened and um mm-hmm. A lot of us architects are realizing now that, hey, there is more productivity if uh, we let our employees work from home. Um, so do you feel that when this crisis gets over and uh, there'll be a lot more architecture firms um, transitioning to the virtual world since you're already part of this uh, realm? 
I think when this whole thing is over, everybody will just run out onto the streets and they don't want to be at home anymore. <laughs> but um, yeah, but uh, seriously, I think um, a lot of firms have already been working remotely and we've been, uh, we call it a virtual studio because um, when I started Design Aware, I, I was a student in London. So we didn't have a physical space or a studio as such. It was uh, kind of in the cloud. So later on, uh, when I moved to Hyderabad, they started a virtual studio in Dubai mm-hmm. where we just had, you know, uh, one architect. We didn't have um, a studio space or anything. And in fact, until recently, it, it remained virtual. Uh, now we have a physical space and an, and an address. Um, but I think it's it's kind of the norm. There's a mix of physical and virtual, you know, work happening yeah, because it'll be like we hybrid. all tend to travel a lot. Yeah, it's a hybrid. Exactly. Yeah. So because we're all anyway traveling a lot, we move around a lot. People are relocating from one place to the other. Last year, we had a virtual studio in Riyadh, and now we don't anymore because uh, that person has moved to Hyderabad. So mm-hmm. we're already quite comfortable. And I think a lot of architects are already quite comfortable working this way. And I think it will continue. All right. Awesome. Um, I just want to briefly talk about BIM. Uh, you've already implemented BIM in a way because you have uh, the GAN project uh, system, which is actually BIM 4D, which is uh, time. Uh, and then we have even cost estimation, which is part of BIM. So BIM is not just the mm-hmm. software, but uh, going, I mean, being more efficient as a practice, mm-hmm. as an industry, because we are a very unorganized uh, sector, right? So like, mm-hmm. yeah. How have you embraced technology to help you, um, you know, become more efficient as a practice mm-hmm. and working in the cloud, uh, especially? Mm-hmm. The one thing that I shared was Asana yeah. and obviously Dropbox and such things. But then, yeah, uh, with uh, BIM, I think being a very small firm, uh, we don't have that many members working on a single project at the same time. I think that's um, software like um, let's say Revit is yeah. more collaborative with, you know, you can, you can share uh, the actual environment with many different agents and, and they can kind of plug into that. So that uh, hasn't really happened that, that much yet yeah. because we're, we do use uh, Revit, but then uh, the collaboration part of it, I think um, in the future, we'll definitely be looking at that because with Builderware, what we're thinking of is that we will involve the other agencies mm-hmm. such as who, who are not part of designware, such as you know the engineering, um, kind of the engineers mm-hmm. co- to collaborate with us in the form of BIM models. So instead of traditional drawings, I think we should be using uh, these uh, you know models, uh, like building information uh, models to collaborate mm-hmm. rather than collaborating with uh, using traditional ways, which are not very not as effective. So, of course, this will involve us educating them to use the technology as well. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure in the long term, it'll be more rewarding overall. Yes. So that's one way that we're using technology, I think. Uh, yeah. Of course, um, that's collaborative. But then when it comes to design, obviously, there are so many computational tools that we're using, like Rhino and Grasshopper. So. All right, nice. Yeah, I think the biggest hurdle uh, I feel is because the, of the lack of skill set. So, if uh, yeah. I think now is a great time to upskill yourselves, and uh, hopefully yes. more consultants yeah. and also these uh, uh, the contractors pick up on skills, which will definitely be valuable uh, going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely.
Alright, so and you're also giving uh, Skype sessions, uh, not only in India, like you mentioned before. And um, I mean, it's a vague question, but has it been as effective as a face-to-face uh, exchange of information? I think uh, when it comes to lectures, it doesn't make a difference. In fact, it's it's even better because uh, it's easier to organize lectures and presentations uh, with people sitting, you know, across uh, in another continent. So. Um, it saves time, effort, it saves money. Obviously, you don't have to pay for them to travel all the way. So um, it allows, I think, maybe this is an untapped uh, thing because now we're forced to do it. So a lot of schools and colleges, we see them doing it. Mm -hmm. But this is something that I feel is really untapped uh, potential because uh, this can, you know, allow a lot of uh, international architects to come and speak at schools, which has not happened before. Uh, even though we had the technology. So I think that should be definitely should be done. We've been doing that since uh, the last, you know, 10 years or so, because we've been collaborating remotely and, and working and teaching as well. Um, at the Design Research Lab, our tutors used to travel quite a lot. Uh, Sometimes uh, one of them was in Tokyo and another in Madrid. So we were sitting in London and we were having remote uh, reviews and crits via Skype. And nice. uh, and then later on, I've also taught workshops and attended juries, uh, given lectures online via Skype. So the, the latest um, one was in Sept, where the jury actually happened over Skype. Like I joined over Skype. Oh, nice. So it's becoming the norm now. And I think the colleges really need to embrace this even after this entire quarantine time period is over, because then they can get more experts to collaborate with them or to uh, lecture at their school. So I think. Um, Maybe interactive workshops, which are physical, uh, which involve a lot of fabrication, maybe physical modeling. Those mm-hmm. maybe uh, not not so much, but there should be a combination. So as in where you can do something remotely or you can do something online, you should. Yeah. And apart from Skype, there's also like various other platforms like Zoom and uh, I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, Zoom is, uh, has become big now. So yeah, I, I find it very... We, we tried it for a few of our studio, virtual studio meetings. So, yeah, nice. it's kind of effective. All right. And um, coming from a perspective of uh, the actual AEC industry and how it's been affected by the COVID situation, like how is, um, how, how bad is it even for architects? I think for architects, it's not really, I think it has a very minimal effect. If you look at it in the greater you know, scheme of things. And, mm-hmm. and from that perspective of how it's affecting all the other industries, architects can work from anywhere and we are kind of idea based. So this is, uh, in fact, it's an opportunity to take a much needed pause from the, the stressful kind of working hours that we make up for ourselves, yeah. is, you know, negative studio culture. So yeah. we need to take a break from that. And it's time to reflect and read and sharpen the saw, like I said. Mm-hmm. by teaching or learning but then projects of course do tend to slow down um from time to time do, they do slow down mm-hmm. uh because of various reasons so it's not something unexpected and if this is catching you off guard then you need to look at the way that you have kind of set up your your way of working because yeah, yeah. Uh, most architects need to be used to this and then it's very important to have a contingency plan in place for yeah, such absolutely, yeah. unpredictable circumstances. Yeah, you shouldn't so, be doing only projects, right? You should like venture out into even other things. Like you said, you, you're doing workshops mm-hmm. and even academia. Yeah, yeah. And also for the projects that are stalled, because of course 
projects are stalled, sites are no yeah, longer yeah. operational. So for that, also, we have uh, in our agreements with clients, we have a clause that talks about what we will do in times of a natural disaster. So this right, pandemic right. is almost like a natural disaster. Yeah. And, um, and I think all architects, we need to become more uh, business savvy and professional in this mm-hmm. aspect where we have our paperwork in place. Mm-hmm. So even in our contracts, we should have these clauses included, which address uh, or talk about situations like uh, not just natural disaster, but, you know, um, some sort of uprising or, um, uh, let's say, harassment mm-hmm. or intellectual property rights and such issues. Because we have to think of all the possible issues that can arise in the duration of a project and how to deal with that. So mm-hmm. it's important for uh, professionals, even if they're not a firm, but they're just solopreneurs, let's say, mm-hmm. or solo practitioners, yeah. they should have all this legal stuff in place. And because uh, now as BuilderWare, we are involved in construction management as well. For all our projects, we have contingency plan in place. So right. our project timelines, as well as the budget, have a buffer that allows for, you know, unpredictable delays uh, of some, you know, some duration. And then delays, because delays can cost clients money. Mm-hmm. And it's our job as uh, project managers to shield the client from loss. So we have these inbuilt margins that allow for some room to accommodate delays so that the project is not impacted negatively and it becomes expensive. Right. So, but apart from, I think our industry, the, the ones who are the most affected in our industry are the construction workers, especially mm, yeah, the day absolutely, yeah. So. A lot of construction sites, they didn't close until very recently or until the lockdown was announced, yeah. which was very irresponsible of them. They they should have closed maybe 10 days before that, which is luckily, which is, we were in between stages of construction and there was no time sensitive work going on on any of our sites. So we closed our sites uh, last week right. or almost 10 days ago. Mm-hmm. So the workers had ample time to go back to their hometowns before the transport closed. So some of these workers, they don't have lodging. So some of them live on construction sites with their families for the duration of the project. Uh, so we need to, you know, think of that beforehand. These things are, I think I would say we got kind of fortunate that um, India, you know, was late in kind of being impacted. Yeah, we're still at stage two, I think. So it's It's rapidly spreading. So I think we... And what we see now is that the workers are now kind of stranded. A lot of construction yeah. workers, a lot of day laborers are, of course, without pay. But the construction workers who didn't have any uh, home, uh, who are just uh, calling the site their home, they didn't. They don't have a solution anymore. And they're actually, uh, we see them going on, going on foot back to their hometowns, which is just unacceptable. So I think that as a professional fraternity, we have to, somehow come together and make some arrangements to get either get them home or provide some alternatives to so that they can you know walking from the city to the village is just just absurd that's not uh, not in a developing country like ours not in yeah. 2020 should this be happening so it's hard to believe that there aren't any policies in place but then um right now is the time to kind of think on our feet and create solutions i, I think ethos is um conducting uh, some sort of uh, online uh, lectures mm-hmm. the fees for which part of the fees will be going towards uh, providing uh, relief to the construction workers 
So yeah, that's great. we're also thinking of uh, certain initiatives which will uh, help and contribute because we have raised funds before you through social media campaigning. So hopefully we'll be able to do that. Yeah, definitely. These guys are the backbone of every structure that. Uh, exactly. So it, we have to give them the due respect and uh, whatever is needed. Yeah. And policies should be in place that actually serve the lowest common denominator. You know, otherwise they're not, they're not really as effective. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I just want to branch out a bit uh, talking about project management. Um, yes, it is important for architects uh, to start taking mm -hmm. up turnkey projects, but some lot of people do complain about the stress and uh, it being more of an obstacle since it comes in the way of your design as well. Do you feel that way? Oh, totally. I, I agree with that. So it's because uh, I think it's a choice. So mm -hmm. um, what we do is it's not really, um, you know, imperative that we take up every project that we get as mm -hmm. a turnkey design and build project. But yeah, we take up selected projects where we feel we can do justice to it. Uh, we have to weigh the pros and cons, like uh, we get greater control over the construction process or the execution, the finishing. Mm -hmm. um, and also uh, we're able to make suggestions that will, um, you know, will kind of better utilize the client's budget. So in that way, it's really, it gains, uh, we gain more control over the process. So that gives us a little bit of peace of mind rather than dealing with maybe uh, another agency who uh, who's not under our control. So in a way that uh, that really gives us that control and that peace of mind. But then on the other hand, yeah, it's quite stressful because the site doesn't stop for anyone. It has to, you know, it keeps moving. So you have to be on top of things every day. For that, it really helps to have a team, of course. Mm -hmm. And at some point you have to let, uh, you know, relinquish control and just let other people trust in them right, uh, right. and let them do the work. And so uh, it really helps to have uh, a rapport with the people that you're working with. Um, so there has to be this good partnership where you recognize and you value their skill set. Because as an architect, you can't have, in fact, uh, jack of all trades and master of none is what an architect is, right? Yeah, no, nowadays it's uh, master of some actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, so you have to kind of stick to the things that you feel um, you, uh, there's this thing that says only do what only you can do. Yeah. So everything else you outsource or you delegate and you trust those people to, to carry forward their duties so, because they have the skills. And a lot of, in fact, you should have people on your team who have skills which you don't have. Yeah. So that really adds value. Yeah, but it definitely takes time to find those uh, trustworthy people. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, awesome. So uh, you've definitely been a big inspiration for a lot of us and um, especially for women architects. Uh, I, I think I remember seeing one of your posts where uh, you've seen more number of applications coming from uh, women. So uh, I know this is like a stereotypical uh, question, but uh, how important yeah. is it w for women to take charge and, uh, you know, be uh, be the face of the industry, if I may say so? Mm hmm. I think um, what I had mentioned uh, earlier was that, uh, you know, uh, why we get 
a lot of applications from women. Some of them have shared it with me and they've said that they find the atmosphere to be more comfortable mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, there, there is less um, worry about being, um, you know, being seen as a woman. Mm-hmm. So because a lot of times there are there is gender discrimination and sexism in the workplace where maybe um, some tasks are assigned to women because of their gender or to men because of their gender. So like, like I said earlier, you may not be um, encouraged to go on site and then you might see guys in the studio going on site. So, so that's, uh, maybe that is not uh, so prominent or it's not being done deliberately. I don't know because, um, it's so, it's so subtle that you don't really catch it. But, um, I think, uh, definitely there are certain things that are discriminatory towards women. Um, and I think that, uh, workplaces need to get, they need to become intentional about, uh, being inclusive and being, you know, having an egalitarian kind of atmosphere. Mm -hmm. So until you're intentional about it, you will not create this kind of atmosphere. So, uh, at our studio, we have, you know, uh, we don't have many rules, which are very rigid. It's, we allow kind of flexibility and we really, value inclusiveness so it's not just about gender but all kinds of uh, inclusiveness of all kinds of people and different backgrounds and skill sets so the only rule that we have that is kind of you know rigid and unchanging that that can't be compromised is that you need to be um, respectful to fellow members and not discriminate and and be inclusive so that's the kind of studio culture that we're trying to cultivate nice so that's actually there in our set of rules that new you know members have to sign so um but i think um it's the the profession i don't think it has a gender kind of aspect to it that's why i don't really like to talk so much about gender because mm-hmm. um i don't like the question because the same question you know men aren't being asked <laughs> how does yeah. gender impact because probably it doesn't for them so when they're not asked questions about gender, I think women shouldn't either. So yeah, it all absolutely. starts with, I think, changing the mindset um, and, you know, awareness, mm. of course. So once we raise awareness and we kind of examine ourselves and we kind of examine our practices, then then only we can kind of change it. So personally, I don't think I've experienced any gender-based discrimination. So I'm only talking about what uh, maybe I haven't noticed because it's so subtle sometimes and it's ingrained but i'm talking about what other uh women right, women right. members or yeah. employees have shared with me so yeah it's definitely a mindset problem right yeah and it, it's like it's ingrained since childhood or something i think because of um families or the media or you know movies so i think that's the whole atmosphere kind of needs to change and i guess it's really important to talk about it then only we can, you know, create real change. So a lot of people, you know, experience this at home or they, they don't experience it at home and then they go to work and they experience it. That's when they're able to identify it. But sometimes it's so subtle that it's just ingrained in, and uh, that's, uh, so raising awareness and having these conversations really, that's what will help identify this discrimination. Yeah, absolutely. Then only we can, you know, we need a better, healthier work culture and, uh, and definitely yeah. in the architecture field, we need less working hours, which is happening right now, I guess. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. Or, you know, unfortunately, it can be the other way around as well, because we're sitting at home. It's easy to get lost in this lost, uh, lose track of time. And then yeah, that's true, yeah. end up working 24 seven and all the days kind of meld into one another. So we need to be really um, aware of that and stop, uh, stop it five or six or whatever time you want to um, set for yourself. So it's easy to get carried away with a task. We know we, we pull all nighters, right? So it's easy for us to get carried away that, that way. So I think that is something we need to intentionally avoid. Yeah, I think that would be uh, reduced if we have certain um, standards in place or uh, a set of methods, yeah. which a system which would uh, help in the yeah. running of the firm, right? Yeah, so we do, um, actually, we have something called passion projects, mm-hmm. which uh, what we try to do is um, Monday to Friday, we work on regular projects, which are commission projects. Mm-hmm. And then on Saturdays, they're kind of open-ended. So for every um, member, they can pursue projects with, which they're really interested in. Nice. So that's what we call passion projects. So um, it's actually based on the what Google used to have. I think they stopped it, but they okay. used to have free time uh, to pursue kind of personal personal um, projects, uh, which would be more innovative because you're kind of self-initiating these ideas. So a lot of our interns and members are working on different things, which are at the end of their internship, they would have like a separate portfolio for that. Oh, and nice. they would have something that is completed. That is that um, it was initiated by them. Awesome. Yeah, I think you're like picking up a lot from these uh, unicorn companies like Google. I mean, there's a lot to learn from them. But uh, yeah, as architects, uh, if we like in Bangalore, we have the startup culture. So if we implement Mm -hmm. uh, kind of a startup culture in architecture firms, we definitely come up with new innovations and ideas, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think every individual can identify as an entrepreneur now. I mean, you don't have to have a staff, you don't have to have a company. It's just the the way of um, being or the way of working. And these companies have shared so much of their internal kind of uh, methods openly. So we were able to learn from that. Yeah, definitely. This would come as a relief to most architecture students because they have this uh, preconceived notion of low pay coming out of school. And uh, But guys, mm-hmm. there's a lot more you can do. So make use of your time. And uh, once yeah. you're out, like... Uh, jump on those opportunities because they come only once right yeah yeah they need to think creatively and i think a lot of students nowadays are doing that yeah it's really nice to see all right all right um Takvi, there was a recent rule by the supreme court of india that uh, stating that you know unregistered individuals are yeah. not prohibited from practice of architecture but they can't designate themselves by, as architects. I mean, that demeans ourselves. Yeah. Uh, we go through like five years of course for nothing, right? Yeah, I mean, already it's a very informal kind of, uh, you know, loosely, loose set of rules for practicing architecture already. And this ruling, I think this is kind of, uh, if there was no um, COVID-19, then this would be the thing that we would be discussing nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is a very disturbing uh, ruling that has just lit fire to the to the industry because our industry is like, uh, I mean, can a person who's not a doctor treat patients or perform surgeries? They're not allowed to do that. And uh, the judge, in fact, who passed the ruling, um, a judge, a non-judge can't pass judgment. 
So how can they, it's very contradictory because how can they say that a non-architect can practice architecture? Even though they're just not calling themselves architects. It's just sure. architecture is like, it's a very intensive and it's structured profession. It requires a lot of um, dedication and it uh, requires technical knowledge, um, understanding of, you know, people's behavior. And five years is uh, probably just scratching the surface of architecture, right? You're not really learning anything. In yeah. five years. You're, that's just the beginning and introduction to architecture is what, that should be called because later on, I mean, even in practice, it's very intensive. And, uh, and also these new technologies that are coming up, that means you have to keep uh, sharpening the saw and reinventing yourself and learning. Uh, so in other countries, you have to have a lot of experience before you can actually become a licensed architect. You have to have certain number of yeah, absolutely. Uh, dedicated. It's actually a struggle to become an architect uh, overseas. And get the license. Yeah. And you have to write these exams. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. it's very difficult to pass them. So here, uh, it was relatively much easier with the licensing by the Council of Architecture. So the terms were much, much easier compared to anywhere else in the world, I would say. Um, and now, it's even that has been taken away. It yeah. made it much more easier for a non-architect. Or it could be... Um, you know, and any anybody who's not even professional practicing yeah. architecture, and that devalues the profession as a whole. Yeah. But uh, even more seriously than that is that it will put people's lives at risk. Hmm. Because if a non-architect comes in and they're making structural changes to existing buildings, or hmm. they are, you know, what's next? Maybe we don't require structural engineers anymore, and then <laughs> they are designing the structure. So yeah. it's not going to. Where does it stop? So. In fact, I feel that the path to licensing, it should become, uh, it should have been more regulated and strict. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. In fact, even interior designers should uh, have a license mm. by, you know, probably a separate council that determines who can practice interior design as well. Yeah, interior design is like the biggest money-making field now, right? Yeah. So I think for that, I think uh, the least they can do is regulate it. Um, actually, there's a petition being signed Mm -hmm. um, by architects I think you should put the link in so yeah, that definitely, you can sign yeah. that petition yes, to appeal the Supreme Court ruling yeah absolutely I think all, all listeners should sign this petition so that we can save the profession yeah instead of going forward as a profession we're going way way back yeah it's very disturbing yeah coming towards the end uh, these are tough times but we'll definitely overcome and and definitely you've come out smarter by the end. But what message or advice would you give to architects and um, architecture students right now? Um, right now, during this quarantine period, I think um, there there's a global pandemic going on. So none of us know what's going to happen next. So if you feel depressed or worried or you're panicking, that's pretty normal. Uh, and if you feel unproductive, that's okay as well, because this is, these are serious times. Um, but at the same time, I feel, you know, this is a really good opportunity because from constraints uh, comes creativity, right? So this is kind of a constraint that has been put on us that we're yeah. you know, restricted in certain ways. So now I feel it's a really good time to do all the things that you've been putting on hold. Um, either, you know, you want to tool up and learn something new and gain some skills for your resume or, you know, um, 
work on some competitions that will augment your portfolio, or you could just, you know, work on passion projects, uh, which you didn't have the time to do before. Uh, also, you can, you know, just read and reflect and, and think because you actually need uh, some, you know, alone time or empty, uh, you know, periods of time. That's where creativity actually is born because that's yeah. where you get all your ideas. If you're if you keep yourself too busy, then you may not um, you may not be able to think of something new. So I think it's a time of reflection, and I I prefer to think that the whole world has been put on pause for you. So what are you going to do with this time? Um, at the same time, my advice is please don't watch too much news <laughs> because <laughs> like that will just take a toll on you. Awesome, yeah, definitely like. Um, now's the best time, you know, instead of getting worried or worked up too much, it's best to invest in yourself and learn something. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I'm sure you had like a lot of plans for 2020. Um, some of it must be uh, stifled to a certain extent, but um, how has yeah. this yeah. Uh, epidemic uh, changed your goals or plans that which you had going forward? Yeah, so a lot of uh, travel plans obviously have uh, been impacted and then there were some speaking engagements and certain workshops that had to be put on hold some of the workshops which we're planning for may are still on so mm -hmm. we will still be having the fractals workshop in may but apart from that um i always have a really long never-ending to-do list so all the things that i can't do right now um, i just have to go further down the list and there are other things to do so um, remote learning is one of the things that mm -hmm. you know we are going to start now yes. um, with more you know uh, putting more effort towards that. Uh, apart from that, I think um, everything else is pretty much on track. It's just that certain things which have been impacted, I think it's for the best mm -hmm. because we might be able to come up with new ideas in this time. So yeah. All right, awesome. And uh, before I let you go, I'll just quickly jump to the quick fire round and. Uh, We'll ask you like a couple of brief uh, questions and have answer brief answers. Mm -hmm. uh, which book have you been reading lately or which book has inspired you a lot as an architect? Well, right now I'm uh, reading this uh, Everything is Figure Outable by Marie Forleo. Mm -hmm. So that's really kind of, you know, uh, it's more about work. So it's kind of a, it's a fun, fun read, but it's also very useful. Um, I think for me, uh, Yes is more is the one that Back I found there. the most inspired. If you want to talk about an architecture book, right. because it's in the title, you know, it tells you to do say yes to everything. Yeah. Uh, so that was very inspiring towards the beginning. But now I feel our philosophy is more like no is more because, you know, no is better because it's uh, now we need to choose, pick and choose what we want to do rather than, you know, taking up everything and getting stressed out by it. So yes, definitely saying yes opens up more opportunities, but sometimes saying no also gives you more um, high quality opportunity. All right. Um, what music are you listening to right now? Or like, uh, what do you generally listen to? Generally, I'm not a very, you know, I, I don't really listen to too much of music, but then, yeah, I think I'm still stuck with the old Linkin Park and oh, nice. uh, similar <laughs> kind on on shuffle kind of uh makes you feel like working i feel at least for me especially when you're doing some 3d modeling so 
Yeah, but uh, I tend to listen to uh, more of EDM because uh, lyrics trying to mm-hmm. tend to take you astray a bit. So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's great to know that you listen to Linkin Park. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Um, what would you have chosen had you not taken up architecture? Uh, I think I don't think I would do anything else. I would. I mean, there's nothing else that I'd rather do. I mm-hmm. almost got into computer engineering, but. Uh, later, I came to know that architecture kind of encompasses any field. You yeah, can yeah. kind of get into any field from architecture. So that's the great thing about architecture. Yeah, but apart from medicine, yeah, any, any other field, I guess. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what the Supreme Court will say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, as architects, especially during college, we watch a lot of movies and series mm-hmm. as well. So which one would you consider your favorite? I think uh, my... From the beginning, like from childhood, my favorite movie was The Shawshank Redemption. Oh, nice. Um, recently, I really love Parasite. I mean, everybody's crazy oh, about Parasite it. Oh, Parasite was mad, yeah. I, I got the chance to watch it as well. Yeah. And I actually, this is probably the only movie other than Shawshank that I've watched uh, more than once. So I went and watched it twice. Oh, I, nice. I love the architecture exactly the, yeah. it plays a big role in the movie right yes yes yeah. uh, the urban planning as well right i mean yeah i can relate to so many of those things because uh unfortunately um our studio is in a low-lying area of the city it's not very well planned mm-hmm. and it gets flooded in the in heavy monsoon right right okay so we can actually <laughs> right. i could relate to the scene where the <laughs> right. water is coming in and she's just sitting there helpless uh, and smoking. So <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was the other way around where you're sitting in that fancy house and uh, working away. <laughs> no, our, our studio gets actually gets flooded. Like um, if there's very heavy rain, then mm-hmm. yeah, that part of the city. So this is a big fail in, in terms of city planning, which, yeah. is, which we are actually working with. We are working towards uh, getting the government to address that or, Oh, right. The municipal coverage. Yeah. yeah, I think, I mean, I wanted to discuss this a bit as well, but maybe you could uh, tell us more about how, uh, as a firm, you ventured into urban planning as well, right? Um, not really urban planning, but uh, more of urban design. Mm-hmm. And I think it just comes under urbanism, you would mm-hmm. say. So as an architect, I think, like I said, it encompasses everything. So you can kind of get into, uh, you know, you can shrink your, uh, scope of work or you can expand it um, so we chose to expand it we can get into different disciplines so um, recently we've been doing a lot of uh, installations mm-hmm. and uh, certain you know uh, urban kind of urban level interventions nice. uh, we're also uh, working on certain designs of parks and parklets for the city so that's I think um, obviously the expertise that we lack we will be taking on partners to help us with that and, you know, um, get some mentors to guide us with that. But I think it's more, it's really important for architects to get involved in government projects as well, because um, we're, we should not be limited to kind of reaching the elite few or reaching, you know, private uh, companies or private uh, homeowners, but it should be more about improving the city, right? I mean, yeah. if you are really interested in uh, making a greater impact, then that uh, that path is open to you. So you can uh, kind of take up projects which have more of an urban impact. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like a lot of companies, um, 
they try to uh, help the government through the CSR or corporate uh, yes. social responsibility. So I think even architects mm-hmm. in a way, you know, could uh, keep some amount of time. I think the, because the government is anyway offering paid, um, you know, uh, like projects. Oh, right, so right. They might be much less and the pay might be delayed or whatever. But still, um, as long as you're compensated, I'm not saying that we should all work for free or work for less. Yeah. But yeah, the, uh, a kind of uh, part of your time can be devoted to that. Uh, it all depends on uh, what matters to you. What are your priorities and goals? So if you have goals, which actually um, say that you, you want to make uh, an impact on the city and you want to change certain things, then you uh, have that option open to you. So. Yeah, and I hope more uh, government buildings are designed by architects because most <laughs> buildings are I wish. done by contractors. They used to be right. Yeah. Yeah, they used to be designed. I mean, yeah. before Buzi. All right. Um, now, of course, your daily routine is different. But uh, what is your daily routine like previous to all this uh, COVID and Corona? I used to have a routine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, I think now it's become a little more. Uh, I'm able to do other things that I want to. But yeah, previously it was just um, more work oriented. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than you know but then at the at the studio itself like i said there are different seasons for different things so we have different days on which we do different things so um we used to do that so i used to divide my time in, in terms of um, say administrative work or in fact one day a week would be just me time and uh, alone mm-hmm. time so uh i was calling it the alone zone <laughs> where you know you just close the door and sit i mean i have the privilege of doing that so mm-hmm. um yeah i think um there were different uh different tasks that had to be divided into different uh days and then of course site visits so a lot of site visits and then uh sharing that on social media because we, we like to involve many people and and share what we're doing with them so yeah a good amount of time was devoted to social media as well um i would like to do much more you know devote much more time to design I wish. I'm sure all architects would like to do that. But yeah, uh, running a firm means that you have to do other things as well. But now I think because this kind of this quarantine is, um, if I see it as an opportunity, I'm getting more time to read and mm-hmm. cook and, you know, do other things like uh, do my passion projects, which are like I'm drawing, uh, you know, artwork and writing, nice. things like that. All right. But I think the main thing is just looking out the window and hoping we can go out someday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even like psychologically, depending on the space you are in, it has a tremendous effect uh, staying at home for yeah. a long time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, design aware is definitely going places, but um, could you tell us um, where do you see yourself and design aware maybe five or 10 years from now? Uh, the goal with Design Aware to begin with was, you know, to be able to design buildings and see them built. That was the very, very basic, uh, you know, reason why I started Design Aware, why I even mm-hmm. uh, ventured into uh, independent practice rather than working for a company, because I wanted to have greater control over the design process. And now with Build Aware, we're looking at gaining more control over the construction process as well. Mm-hmm. So the the goal uh, always remains that, you know, I want to design. So we all, we want to design 
different types of buildings and uh, be able to take certain, uh, you know, create certain experimental kind of projects or take certain risks uh, when it comes to structural design or when it comes to, you know, spatial design. Mm -hmm. Just experiment with designing. So the end goal is designing. Everything else is kind of a means to that. So everything we do is kind of just to lead us towards designing more and more buildings. That's the main thing. Or spaces, I should say. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Takbir. Um, it was awesome to have you on. Yet another great session, jam-packed with a lot of information. It's going to be a treat to a lot of listeners. And uh, thanks again for taking your time. I'm sure you have a lot of time now, but still, uh, thanks for taking your time out. And uh, yeah, sure. Now, what's the best way our listeners could get in touch with you um, in case they would like to reach out? I think uh, nowadays, I think everybody is on Instagram. So I'll just share the Instagram handle, which is uh, mine is Takbir Fatima. And um, All right. Design Aware as well as Fractals Workshop. So these are the three. They can just look it up. Great. So there you go, guys. Uh, we had a great session. Lots to learn. I hope to have you more in the future as well because uh, there's always a lot of value which comes out of you whenever uh, there's an episode. So yeah, thanks again. I'm glad. Uh, I hope everybody finds it useful. And thanks a lot for having me. You've been listening to the Ak Young Podcast. We're still building the community. Please share this knowledge with someone you know who could benefit. Just send them to akyoung.com where you'll find our free newsletter and for more podcast episodes. Search for the show on any major podcasting platform. Don't forget to subscribe where you're listening right now. And if you liked it, leave a rating or review.